0: we make of it shotgun wedding sometimes a first date requires paperwork a good omens fic written by charlotte madison and read by literarian chapter 18 crowley slipped his phone out of his back pocket for maybe the 15th time since their last exchange but he made himself put it away again with a grimace and a firm reprimand. Don't be clingy, don't be clingy, don't be clingy, he told himself over and over again. The kitchen sink was gleaming, but he wiped it down again anyway. Trouble was that Crowley was a goddamned koala. Always had been. He could not foresee a moment in the near future, or any future, where he wouldn't want some part of himself touching some part of Aziraphale. He'd have to be pried off like a limpet when they were in the same room. And he already wanted to be in the same room at every blessed moment. If he couldn't be touching his fiancé, he wanted to be talking to him or texting him or sitting in a hopeless daze for hours thinking about what it would feel like and sound like and taste like to make out with him and more. The sunglasses came in handy during those intervals, especially at work. Crowley had it bad but if their conversations over the last few days were any indicator, that was not at all what Aziraphale had in mind. A night or two out per week, he'd implied, maybe with an extra dinner together here or a quick coffee there, if that wasn't enough. An afternoon trip out somewhere on the odd weekend, perhaps, like the museum or a matinee and those were details Crowley had collected from context like clues in a scavenger hunt, it had been impossible to nail anything down. And whenever their banter hinted at physical affection or sex, Aziraphale would say, Crowley, in that shocked, exasperated, reprimanding way that meant he was scrunching his nose and blushing like an Edwardian heroine at a society ball. So there was that, whatever that might portend. Ergo, Crowley would have to rein in his Remora tendencies hard. He had many years of disciplined practice already. Every minute he was not hugging Adam for dear life was a power lift. But this new situation would require more caution and restraint than ever before, because a misstep might royally fuck things up. He hoped he was equal to the challenge. Adam was busy with his math homework, or at least he was supposed to be. His laptop fan hummed away on the dining room table, and the faint thump of music from his headphones trailed into the kitchen. At the moment, he was leaning at a crazy angle to hunch over his phone on the chair next to him, so he was probably texting Wensleydale about their next game of D&D. Or possibly Brian about girls. Adam looked unbearably huggable. And like he needed a snack. Or a drink. Fizzy water? Popcorn? Something. That Right there, that was the problem, the nagging impulse to hover. Crowley decided he could use this moment as practice. He pressed the pad of his right thumb against the centre of his left palm, squeezing until it almost hurt but not quite, grounding himself just like a former therapist had taught him. He told himself, so adamantly that his lips moved, mouthing the words, that if Adam needed anything, he could either ask for it or come and get it himself. Including hugs. There, that wasn't so hard, was it? Restraint. Ah, Christ in crinoline. Such a pathetic fucking goner he was. A right mess. Taken altogether, this was why Crowley had accomplished so much stress-cleaning over the last several days. He pondered sweeping the already spotless kitchen floor. Again. His phone vibrated, and he whipped it out in record time, but it was just Arwen talking logistics with all the parents about the kids' weekend plans. Crowley dragged a hand down his face and rubbed the back of his neck, and then whirled and stalked moodily down the hall to bother the office plants. They always needed something from him. He misted the ferns, checked the soil of the succulents, and deadheaded the prolific false shamrock, even though he'd done it yesterday.' He'd detangled the lady palm fronds and dusted the birds of paradise. He growled at the browning edges of a few leaves on the Monstera, snarling some choice threats about its questionable fate if it didn't get its act together. The plants inside Dog's large terrarium were a little trickier to access, but there were no living bugs to escape today, so Crowley made the effort to reach in and do a bit of maintenance. He pulled a few yellowing leaves from the base of the miniature hibiscus. The devil's horn crassula cutting seemed to be rooting nicely. Another one of the pothos vines had been crushed and a few leaves snapped off, likely during Dog's occasional bursts of activity when he went cricket hunting. What would you go and do that for? he asked the snake. Dog either glared at him or slept at him. It was hard to tell which. The herbs on his desk were overproducing under their little grow light, and he'd never cook them all down at this rate. He snipped a thick handful of thyme, parsley, and chives to dry out in the microwave. The basil was running amok, and he stared at it a while, disconcerted. The biggest leaves weighed down the stems, bowing and buckling and curling with lush, sweet-smelling abundance. And here he came to the essential question. What exactly was the plan? If Aziraphale was going to come over, if they might eat at home, he should leave the fresh basil for the ever-expanding menu in his mind. For gnocchi, bruschetta, shrimp curry, a frittata, brilliant green basil gimlets with that fancy gin he kept meaning to break out. But if they were just going out to dinner, or coffee, or drinks, or the museum— And then, heading their separate ways, he should cut it back now and freeze pesto in cubes before the leaves wilted or turned bland. For all the hours they'd spent on the phone, they still hadn't managed to discuss what they wanted to do on Wednesday after the papers were signed. Rafael had tried to bring it up once, he thought, when they were at their separate jewelry stores— But he hadn't revisited the topic since, and all of Crowley's cautious inquiries had been deflected. They had reservations for dinner on Thursday, but neither had been bold enough to ask outright what might come after. They had totally deferred discussion of the weekend. So, obviously, they'd take it a day at a time. And he just wouldn't know what to expect, which was fine. It was fine, 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 really, just so long as Crowley could keep from pushing. He crossed his arms and grunted bitterly at the rambunctious basil. It neither glared nor slept in response. It only grew and it didn't worry about who ate it or when. Lucky bastard. He rolled his eyes and decided to put off the battle conundrum for one or two more days. If he lost a few leaves to the passage of time, at least he'd save himself the frustration of standing here, now, fretting about where things were going or weren't with his impromptu husband. Crowley was ready, that was the thing. Too ready. He had laundered every linen, cleared some closet space, emptied a drawer. He had chopped the fridge and pantry full just in case. He already owned plenty of nice bottles to share, but he'd bought more anyway. He normally slept like a rock, but insomnia had kept him up fidgeting and fussing and rearranging and nesting for days. Tonight he was absolutely itching to chop onions, marinate something, start a dough rising, anything to keep his hands busy preparing more of the best for his angel. Just in case. And this was always Crowley's problem, wasn't it? He was simply a lot when he was in love. Totally overkill. Stalkery almost. It was weird. Wasn't it weird? Definitely weird. If his twitchy nerves and barnacle affection didn't scare Azira fell off, the smothering anxious attention surely would. Like all those poor sorts who overwatered their succulents to death. He should throw everything out, really. The presents and the groceries. It was all too much. Nobody wanted that. Not from Crowley. Or maybe he could hide some of it in the linen closet for a few months. Then he could sneak it into rotation a bit at a time as if His phone buzzed, and he threw his handful of herbs all over the desk in shock. This time, it was a signal from Aziraphale, followed hard upon by a couple more. Today, 21.55 Having a lovely time with Tracy, we'll call after, call bachelor party. A smile cracked Crowley's throat fluster wide open. He had no idea what a drunk fell sounded like, but he was more than eager to find out. Today, 2156. Sounds great, Angel. Tell her thanks from me and tie one on. He took a deep breath and pocketed his phone, Picturing Azira fell smiling and laughing and loose with Tracy, and just like that, he was on cloud nine again. Maybe he could throw together a quick strawberry basil sorbet to set up overnight. Shit, this was unsustainable. Love is the worst, he told Dog with a roll of his eyes and then carefully picked up his herb confetti and turned out the lights. Adam came padding down the hall with his headphones around his neck. I'm done now, he reported. What are you doing? Uh, said Crowley, looking at the somewhat crushed greens in his hand. Plant stuff. Do you want to watch something? Crowley consulted his excessive watch. "'Sure. Not too long, though. Big day tomorrow.' "'Big day for you,' said Adam, matter-of-factly. "'I'm just going to bezos "'Don't remind me,' thought Crowley. No matter how he wrestled with his hopes, they kept jumping out of his chest along with his heart, determined to smash themselves in the fall to the floor.' For everybody else, it would be a mostly normal day. Including, quite probably, Aziraphale. Managing expectations. It was all about managing his fucking expectations. And he just couldn't manage. Adam led them out of the dark hallway and through the pristine open kitchen into the light of the living room. He had already put his things away and claimed some space in front of the TV with blankets, chips and salsa. You were banking pretty hard on a yes there, weren't you? Crowley observed, lingering at the kitchen island. Adam shrugged. It's our last night with you being single for a while. Dunno if we should do anything important, but I got the chips out. ''For a while?'' Crowley repeated irritably. ''Thanks for the vote of confidence.'' ''I mean, I hope it's a long while,'' said Adam. ''But as long as it's a good while, that's what counts, right?'' Several feelings rushed across Crowley's face in rapid succession. ''Where on earth did you hear that?'' ''You told me that, years ago.'' Did I? That sounds too smart for me. Remember when I had a crush on Toff? Crowley scratched his head. Oh, yeah. When was that now? Adam got up off the couch and came to lean against the island. Seventh grade. You said that to me before I asked them to the snowflake dance, because I was freaking out. Um, well, yeah... I guess that's true. Probably I stole it from somewhere, though. Crowley finally remembered that his left hand was full of herbs and he tore off a paper towel to lay them out in a row. Do you want a drink? asked Adam. Water's fine, said Crowley absently. Just give me a second to nuke these. Adam stepped into the kitchen and scuffed a foot on the floor. I mean, do you want, like, a drink-drink? Crowley looked up and cocked his head. His nephew looked uncharacteristically unsure of himself, like he was being careful. What? You mean, like, alcohol? Yeah, I mean, it's your last, I don't know, don't people have, like, bachelor parties or whatever? Bees and I were texting about it. "'You should do something.' Crowley laughed. <laughs> "'What, were you going to mix me a martini?' "'No, I don't want any alcohol right now. "'If you've got celebrating on your mind, "'I'd just as soon we hang out or play a game or something fun, "'just you and me.' "'Please, please, please,' he pleaded silently. Adam's enthusiasm came rushing back and his worry dissipated like fog. Thank goodness. Can we play robo-rally? he asked. Absolutely. Go set up while I finish this. Adam took off at a run like he was eight again. Crowley closed his eyes and focused all his attention on the sound of his nephew rummaging in the hall closet, on the evidence of his presence in the world. There was nothing like the pounding of those particular feet. He didn't want to drown it out with the stupid microwave. A thought occurred to him. If Adam expected tonight to be significant, then it could be. Crowley threw a knee up onto the counter, hoisted himself on top of it, and reached awkwardly over the edge of the tall black cupboards for the manila envelope he'd left there years ago. A cloud of dust plumed off of it, and he sneezed. One place left to clean. Adam returned with the worn and tattered cardboard box and made for the coffee table. He tossed the lid away and started sorting game tokens. Which board? he called. "'Dealer's choice.' Crowley started the herbs drying and inspected the envelope contents. "'You want some bean dip for the chips? "'Or I could make nachos.' "'Not unless you want them. "'I'm not that hungry.' "'Wow, will wonders never cease. "'You're sure no cookies? "'Milkshake? "'Nothing special?' "'Nah.' "'Fine, your loss.' So, said Adam, in his trying-to-sound-casual tone, you nervous about tomorrow? Crowley snorted a laugh. (laughs) What do you think? You cleaned my bathroom like two hours while you were on the phone with him. Yeah, I'm nervous. I'm scared shitless is what it is. Of what? Of fucking it up. Same as everybody's scared of. Adam shuffled the softened deck of cards, all fraying white around the edges. How would you fuck it up? he asked. Let me count the ways, thought Crowley. By... I mean, not by doing anything bad. And it's not like he'll do anything bad. I'm sure we'd never want to hurt each other. But, you know... I could still fuck it up by accident. That won't happen, Adam stated confidently. You'll be great, you're great, and he's great. Well, I am great, you've got me there. Crowley cocked his chin up performatively, doing a ridiculous little catwalk spin as he took the herbs out of the microwave. Adam rolled his eyes. But it's not enough to be great individually, Crowley went on. You have to fit together right, too. And try really hard and practice and learn and get lucky, sort of. It's always a crapshoot, even if you're both basically good people. His mind touched on Sam again and flinched away from the thought as if burned. Adam frowned pensively as he placed flags around the cardboard racecourse. So even if you do the right things, you could be the wrong thing. Crowley scratched his shoulder uneasily. Yeah, that's about the shape of it. You want Spinbot? Yeah, I want Spinbot. Always Spinbot. Did you get napkins already? No, better bring some. Crowley did, and he sliced some lime wedges and poured them each a fizzy water and came around the island to take his customary place on the couch. Adam sat cross-legged on the floor. To Crowley's right, instead of opposite, much closer than usual. Which was comforting, though he wouldn't get his hopes up about hugs just yet. He'd never been good at initiating that sort of thing, however much he craved it. Adam dealt two hands of cards. So, you're scared shitless in case you turn out to be the wrong thing. Crowley flinched. Absolutely, fucking I am, and also, ouch. I mean, had you considered a career as an extremely hardcore therapist? Adam chuckled. Crowley crunched a chip and twirled his glass on the table and thought hard about managing expectations. Not just his, but Adam's. You, um, so... So you might be about to see some really, uh, really big, embarrassing feelings from me. Well, more of them than usual. Especially if it all goes pear-shaped. Hmm said Adam, picking through his cards. And Adam? Crowley paused, a bid for eye contact, which his nephew granted him. I really don't want to disrupt your life with this or miss out on anything you need. Whether I fuck shit up with him or not, I can't fuck shit up with you. So if I get really up in my head about this, if I get distracted by it, you better communicate with me so I don't miss anything that's important to you. Whatever you have to say or, or chuck at my head to get my attention, you make sure I'm in tune with where you're at. Yeah? Yeah. Cause I'm gonna be a mess. That's just, yeah, a mess. A mess, huh? But just because I'm having a a thing for a while doesn't mean shit. You come first. Crowley insisted with a broad sweep of his hand. And you always will. Adam stared at him. I know that, but also, you get to have a thing. Hmm? You're allowed to have a thing, and it does mean shit, and I'll be fine anyway. Crowley slumped back into the sofa and crossed his arms. ''But it just... it shouldn't affect you, is what I mean. Shouldn't affect me. I mean, it should have no... effect. Adam put his cards down. ''So it shouldn't be a thing, you're saying?'' ''I don't know,'' grumbled Crowley, throwing a foot up onto the table. Crowley, Mm. you're always a mess. Crowley looked around at the sparkling clean apartment, at the perfectly seasoned cast iron on the stove, at the fluffy shark carpets he'd laid over most of the hardwood to protect Adam from falls at the temperamental fiddle-leaf fig in the window that he'd coaxed and threatened and disciplined into perfect health. "'I'm not that hopeless, am I?' "'No,' Adam said, shaking his head. "'I said you're a mess, because you're a person, and people are messes, and people sometimes get to have things.' Crowley chewed his lip and crossed his feet and tapped his pinky toes together agitatedly. This is just like prom, said Adam. A juvenile scowl crossed Crowley's face. It's not just like prom. You have botanieres in the fridge. I, hey! Crowley pointed a stern finger his way. Those are extremely serious, grown-up buttonyes, and it's totally different. I can't wait, said Adam, grinning now. You're all nervous for the big dance. You are a mess. With a gobbled growl, Crowley sank even farther into the couch and threw an arm over his face. Just you wait. When are you gonna have a thing again so I can bully you back? Can't right now. Too busy helping with your thing and Brian's thing. He turned his head and squinted one eye open. What's Brian's thing? Same old thing. He's had it bad since sixth grade. He's a goner, man. Like, talk about a mess. Hm. Adolescence is a bitch. Crowley rolled up to sitting again and sighed. Ah, could be worse, I guess. With fell. I mean, it was a lot worse a week and a half ago. Adam crunched three chips in one loud mouthful and nodded. Crowley rubbed his ribs uncomfortably. Just wish I knew why I still feel like I got hit by a truck all the time. Love is the worst, Adam quoted in a sing-song voice, picking up his cards again. Like you always say, now program your freaking robot. Just a second, said Crowley. Got a what's-it-for-you. He reached into the back pocket of his jeans and produced a small ring, sturdy and silver, set with a large asymmetrical cut garnet the bottom was worn flat with this ring declared crowley i the uh, swear i'll keep being your uh, your person even if there's someone else around occasionally in future he held it out and adam took it i know this ring said adam turning it over and over in his fingers I mean, I can't really give it to you. It was always yours. You were just a bit too small and scattered to keep track of it before. Crowley watched him studying it and prayed he'd picked the right moment. Is it expensive? Asked Adam, candidly offering the first question that came to mind. I mean, like, should I lock it up? Not very. I gave it to her when you were, maybe, seven. We were complaining about men together, and I decided she deserved it, since no other idiot had stepped up. Didn't realize she'd wear it all the time. Yeah, I remember. He looked unsure what to do with the ring for another few beats, then he put it on his right index finger. It wouldn't fit for long, Crowley thought. Adam had hit another growth spurt recently, and soon he'd stand at his full adult height, whatever that might be. Got you something from me as well, Crowley added, leaning to grab his black messenger bag at the end of the couch. I was gonna give it to you tomorrow, but things might be chaotic, so maybe tonight's... Adam abruptly hopped to his feet. I got you something, too, he blurted, and ran around the corner to the dining room. Crowley heard the sturdy student laptop wake up from sleep with a buzz and a whir. It was a laptop toppy kind of present, apparently. Crowley pulled the small black gift bag out of his satchel and set it on the table next to SpinBot. Adam was typing something frantically in the other room, and he was fast enough now that his keystrokes sounded like an adult's. Fuck it, thought Crowley. Cookie time. Whatever tonight was turning into, it was a celebration, and it was absolutely better than buzzing with anxiety and scrubbing the stove again. He didn't need Adam to need cookies. It was Crowley's big night. He could serve cookies if he fucking felt like it. Back to the kitchen, then. The cookies were frozen after their competitive sculpting event on Saturday, but the toaster oven would return them to fresh-baked glory in no time. As he pulled the appliance down from the cupboard, Crowley marked a familiar little blue mason jar by the coffee. "'the one he'd been afraid to open for months. "'But in case things didn't go well, "'or even if they did, "'mightn't tonight be the best time to try it? "'Right here in all the intensity "'of pre-prom nerves and anticipation? "'Cookies and cocoa, then. "'Well-traveled, cozy cocoa. "'Crowley put on the kettle.' Adam reappeared in the kitchen, sheepishly twirling the ring. Okay, it's ready now. Hmm? Oh, is this the letter, Coco? asked Adam. There was no question which letter he meant. Crowley nodded. Hmm, so where's my present? Check your email. Crowley paused the preparation and pulled out his phone. Adam instinctively took over, getting a plate for the cookies and spooning cocoa into mugs. How much? He asked Crowley. About half in each. And then Crowley found it. He found it. He found it! There it was! Right in his hands! Right in his phone! The lonely astronomer d5b.pdf Oh, Fuck! he exclaimed and sank down onto the kitchen floor. It's not totally done yet, said Adam, but I decided you could see it now. Yeah, 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 okay, yeah, okay, managed Crowley in a quavering voice he barely recognized. He couldn't read the text at all, he kept scrolling down and then up again because his eyes were skipping all over the place, failing to absorb any meaning. It was a hundred and ten pages long. A hundred and ten pages. A hundred and ten pages, he stammered. It kinda got away from me. Adam admitted. But Mr. Fell likes it. He fucking better, you wrote it, Crowley shouted. It was not an indoor voice, but the plants wouldn't care. You wrote it, Adam. You wrote this. You wrote this. The kettle beeped that it was done, and Adam seemed relieved to have some business to do with the drinks. Crowley kept trying to register any of the words on the page, but he was too far gone to read properly. He wasn't quite crying, but he also wasn't not, so he wiped his face on his sleeve and gave in to the impulse to signal Aziraphale. Maybe it was clingy, but he had no reserves left to restrain himself right now. It had been a long few months. Today, 2217 Shit, he wrote it to me, Angel. I mean, he gave it to me. Lonely astronomer. Oh, this fucking me right up. He held the phone to his chest then and tugged on the hem of Adam's jeans. Come here, come here, come here, come here, he said. I need to hug you for a second. Adam crouched down and accepted a supremely awkward embrace against the cabinets with handles in all the wrong places. Hey, how about the couch, he proposed into Crowley's elbow. Mm, Yeah, I'll be there in a minute. Crowley let his head fall back against a drawer pull and covered his eyes. "'I want my other present, too,' Adam reminded him as he left with the mugs. "'No, it's stupid. I'm throwing it away now!' Crowley yelled over his shoulder. He returned to staring at his screen, trying to decrypt the wall of text in front of him. "'The astronomer lived in a tall stone tower atop the steep cliffs outside of town.' Much to his surprise, the phone vibrated in his hand. Today, 2219. Oh, excellent! I cannot wait to hear what you think! Crowley smiled wide and almost teared up, then went back to smiling, then back to tears again. His face felt twitchy all over. But it was Good, he decided. All of it good. Very, very good, he wrote back. Hope you're having fun, Angel. Very good, yes, and very intense. And very stiff getting up off the floor, it turned out. He'd have to reconsider his position on chairs if his body continued aging despite his strenuous objections. He stretched his arms way up over his head, which pulled his henley up over his ribs and exposed his belly, prompting Adam to make a comically disgusted face and vomiting noises. Then he shook his limbs loose and scrubbed his face with his hands. Reset the body. Crowley could have a complete breakdown over Adam's book later, in private, while he stayed up reading it and probably crying all night. He grabbed the whipped cream from the fridge and rotated the cookies in the toaster. All right, that was embarrassing. I'm done now, he reported. Adam held up the black paper gift bag, wordlessly asking permission. Crowley scrunched his nose in assent. While the bag was plundered mercilessly, he covered both of their cocos with an absurd amount of whipped cream. Adam slid open the polished wooden box. It was a Mont Blanc. Why is this like a serious pen? he asked, balancing the heavy oak ballpoint and examining it from all sides. Very serious author pen, yes. Dude, it weighs a ton! He ripped the gift bag open and experimentally drew lines on the white interior. Crowley settled in the couch cushions and grinned. Yeah, that's how a for-real pen feels. And, uh, If you choose to take it out of the house, just know that you won't be getting another one that fancy until you, like, get your first book advance. That's a special thing there. Well, it's an expensive thing. It becomes special if you use it. Special already, said Adam. He hopped onto the couch. Good present. Can we do a better hug now? Yeah, said Crowley. And they did. And it made him very happy. And then they drank cocoa. True to felt's promise, it was far superior to most powdered cocoa, rich with cinnamon and vanilla. Very cozy. So what are you looking forward to? After tomorrow? Asked Adam. Probably teasing him. He's so prim and proper. It's ridiculous. Got to bring him down a peg. Crowley tuzzled Adam's hair, but only for a moment. Only as many seconds as he thought he could get away with. Prim and proper? Adam's eyes sparked with mischief. He's totally gonna give you a run for your money. He has nothing to tease me about. I'm cool, obviously. Obviously, Adam parroted in a snarky voice. Nobody thinks you're cool. The only uncool thing about me is that I fell for someone who wears a waistcoat and a blessed bow tie. No idea how the hell that's happened. He's smart, that's how. Yeah, well, I'm clearly not. Tartan bow tie. A tartan bow tie. Me? How? He makes it work. It's like his look. It's good for reading poetry. You'd better not take up poetry, by the way. As your legal guardian, I have to draw the line somewhere. Get your own pen for the line. This one's mine. What are you looking forward to after tomorrow? Anything? Mostly the same thing. Making fun of you. Forever. If you two team up on me, I swear... Because you're a mess, Adam said. And then he slurped his cocoa loudly, and then he leaned up against Crowley's arm and settled in. Crowley shut his eyes tight against the intense swell of gratitude that broke over him. Yes, I am a mess. You are a mess, Adam said, but at least your hair looks great. Your hair looks great, Crowley countered out of habit. Just take it, Crowley. Fine, prepare to eat lasers, trundlebot. Adam laughed, and the cookie timer buzzed, and even if everything went wrong someday, certain things were good right now. It was nearly midnight when Crowley's phone rang again. Normally he'd have been sleeping, which he considered first among his many talents, but tonight he was staring into his phone from eight inches away, re-reading Adam's story. This is Crowley's phone, he said flatly when he picked up. I am here now, and you can talk to me whenever you're ready to. I, Crowley, is that you? Are you really there? Yep. Hello, Angel. Oh, you had me con- oh, yes, terribly confused. You sounded like a n-n-n-answering voicemail machine. Crowley grinned. Azira felt speech was a little bit slurred, but it was mostly melodious and breathless, and every buried Eton and Cambridge vowel had come out to play. He sounded hopelessly posh and utterly sauced, and it was adorable. Yes, yeah, a joke from a movie, he said. So, you and Tracy had fun by the sound of it, eh? We had quite fun. Which movie is that? When Harry met Sally, Angel. Have you never seen it? I don't recall. But Tracy has. She, yes, she is most diverting. We discussed a great many things and she was rather, she was rather generous with the good Kentucky bourbon. Eagle rare, you know. Sounds like a fine time indeed. So, how are you feeling about tomorrow? Oh, tomorrow! Azira felt cheered, as if he had just remembered news that delighted him beyond words. Yes, tomorrow. Big day. Tomorrow? That should be great fun, yes. Rather. What did you do tonight? I got for your bed. For a bachelor party? Just quality time with Adam. We stayed in and played games. Drank your cocoa. Oh, that's lovely. I can't really, I can't think of anything lovelier. Mm. Crowley wanted to curl up inside all disapproval and affirmation like an extra blanket. Raphael sounded positively effusive. Crowley, of all the reasons I'm attracted to you, and there's quite a long list now. A list, is there? Oh, ho, I want to see the list. What I mean is near the top of the, the list, you see, is you and him and the... Your relationship with Adam. Crowley picked at the corner of the duvet cover. Uh, it's not that hard. Feed and water two or three times daily. Oh, pish tosh, you know it's more than that. Did, did you just say pish fucking tosh? Into my ear? Did I hallucinate that? I'm an an English teacher. I can mm, say what I please, Crowley. Oh, I like you drunk. I like me drunk, Aziraphale declared gleefully. Sometimes. It's, It's nice sometimes. Yeah? Why do you like you drunk? Aziraphale ignored the question and persevered with his observations instead. You... you know, it's truly, truly remarkable how you two are alike. He's just... just like you sometimes. Poor bugger. Crowley! I'm telling you, he's very clever, Nolan. And he sometimes makes with his hands when he talks What's the, um... Hmm help me out darling you know i'm inebriated crowley's diaphragm was working overtime to keep his laughter inaudible over the phone gesticulations Gesticulations, he supplied jess yes gesticulations they're very like you very like in the hands stands to reason i suppose And you take such, such excellent care of him. You really, really do. Now he sounded on the verge of shedding a sentimental tear. Crowley didn't think he could grin any wider. I take good care of mine. Have to. It's just what I do. Yes, of course. Of course you do. Mm. And... Who takes care of you, Crowley? Crowley's smile vanished swiftly, and he found he was tongue-tied. He couldn't manage so much as a glottal stop. Several seconds passed. Hello? asked Aziraphale. Mm, I, uh, I mean... Who looks after you? Adam looks after me some. Who makes sure you eat when he's away? I don't, um, I'm... You're right, you don't. You forget, so I'm asking. If you're wondering whether there's a a position open, I mean, probably. But that's, honestly, that's never been the easiest for, for me. Being taken care of? Um, yeah. By someone else? <sighs> Perhaps you need more practice. Oh, um, I... Yes, practice lying back and mm, letting someone see to your needs. Wha- it can be quite enjoyable. <coughs> Hmm. You know, this does give me a few ideas. What exactly are we talking about, Angel? Oh, nothing. I was just thinking about about you, dear. What else? Which uh, which which part of me exactly? fell, giggled ridiculously and then sighed. Crowley clutched the duvet so tight he figured he'd crease it permanently. So tomorrow then, started Crowley. Yes, tomorrow. We go sign papers and then... what did you... uh, plan to do... after... There was a silence, and for a moment, Crowley cursed himself for calling the question over the phone, when he couldn't pick up on visual cues, when his fiancée was sloshed, when there was no need to nail anything down. Better not to know than to... I'm really not sure. What did you intend to, to do? asked Aziraphale. Well, I just wondered if, uh, if you'd kept the evening free after that. I have. Crowley felt the precarious balance of things between them, the fragility. Come over to mine, he wanted to say. But he still had no idea what Hazirafel felt comfortable with and if there was one thing he didn't want, it was a shy and obligatory visit from sober Fell tomorrow because drunk Fell had made over-enthusiastic promises tonight. I thought maybe, maybe we could go on a nice long walk after. You know, through the commons or the park. Oh, oh, Crowley, that sounds absolutely perfect. A walk and coffee and uh, a wedding, obviously. Oh, yes, Crowley. The pain of playing it safe was eased somewhat by the ecstasy in Aziraphale's voice just now. Oh, angel, sighed Crowley. If you ever, ever want anything from me, I mean, a diamond, or bale money, or a star named after you, or anything. You just say my name like that. Really? How hyperbolic of you, my dear. Of course the angel would say hyperbolic without missing a beat, even now. Crowley swallowed nervously and pressed on. And uh, maybe, maybe someday... If things go well, you know you could come up and have a cup of coffee at mine one day, any day, really, is that a proposition proposed already, so no, it's not a proposition, it's an invitation, oh, oh yes, quite right. And it's one you can take or leave, no pressure, Crowley hastened to add. You could change your mind midstream, too. It can just be coffee. We could drink wine, we could cook supper, we could play cards, we could sit and talk. Or we could do other things. Any of that. It's up to you. We just... We could. Now. If we ever want. Someday. There was a Silence and some faint breathing, and Crowley bit his index finger at the knuckle, hoping he'd managed to be clear without pushing. I'll hardly recognize you outside our booth, Aziraphale finally said. I know, right? Things could all look different by daylight. Crowley rubbed his eyes and tried not to calculate the likelihood that they would. By the by, don't accidentally marry some other handsome bloke by mistake. Text to make sure it's me. I couldn't possibly, my dear. Well, night, Aziraphale. Good night, Crowley. I'll, I'll see you tomorrow. Pleasant dreams and all. Oh, no question about that, Angel, said Crowley, though he had some doubts as to whether sleep would be visiting him at all. His toes clenched and flexed restlessly. Hmm, lovely. Tomorrow. Ciao. The moment the phone call ended, Aziraphale tossed back the covers and flung himself onto his stomach with a low groan of relief. He pressed his aching erection into the bed for a long moment, breathing hard, and then rolled back over and decided to reach for it with a well-lotioned hand. He'd been running light fingers over his naked chest and thighs for several minutes now, ever since asking who took care of Crowley. He had let himself sink into Crowley's deep, musical voice. He'd tried to be patient, tried to focus, kept his touch light and teasing. It had been divine torture. Now, at last, he felt free to indulge. No self-consciousness, no second-guessing. He liked himself drunk. He took a moment to enjoy caressing the tip of his cock gently, breath hitching. Then he tightened his grip and dove hard into a familiar rhythm fell, replayed every helpless, nonsense syllable Crowley had ever made when he was caught off guard. Oh, he would be taken care of. Crowley would be taken care of very well. He would be pressed and stroked and kissed and seen to until that clever mouth lost the use of every word. He would stammer and gasp and grunt and mmm and ink, and it would be wonderful. Dozens of times over the last several months, Aziraphale had reached for himself while thinking of Crowley. Long hands, wry smile, quicksilver hips. Oh, the experience had been desperate and empty before— always cruelly overshadowed with guilt or grief or anxiety. But for the past few days, he'd felt joyously, rebelliously alive with feeling. And tonight, a new sense of freedom had finally taken root because... Fell was allowed. He was invited to want these things. Crowley would love to know what he was doing right now, what he was picturing. He could even message him in a few minutes about it, and wouldn't that elicit a delightful stampede of consonants and exclamation marks? Maybe Crowley would be inspired, reach slowly for his own fly, unable to resist the temptation... Or maybe he already had. Maybe they were both right at this moment. Azira fell groaned aloud at that thought. How had every no turned into a yes in just a few short days? In less than a hundred hours. Yes, hold tighter. Yes, Think of the shape of his thighs, his mouth, his jaw, his long neck. Yes, imagine every possible way to draw that stream of helpless syllables out of him on a silk ribbon of breath, louder and louder. Oh, yes. It didn't take all that long. Azera felt ears rang with the giddy height of his climax he lay gasping at the lightness of finding his body painless and his mind friendly to him again. He sank down into himself drowsily with laboured breath, thinking through a pleasant haze of whisky about what very, very good care he would take of his fiancée, Anthony J. Crowley. In fact, he meant to think about it in greater detail after he cleaned up and settled in for the night during his customary hour or two of restlessness before sleep. But Azzefel was out within three minutes and slept better than he had in years.